Coronavirus has shown us many things, but if nothing else, it's accelerated the need for a cashless society. This paves the way for different types of currency, advancing the move to a new digital financial system. So can a cashless society work? Are there advantages, disadvantages, and do digital currencies play a role? Today, we welcome Stephen Becker of MakerDAO to the show to discuss what a functioning cash society would look like, especially for consumers, and how do we get there? You know, we are the DeFi DoFi, but after today, we might need to be upgraded to the DeFi dimwits. It's episode number 442 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three. Hey, Mr. Jokam. Yes, sir. Isn't a doofus kind of the same as a dimwit? Pretty much synonymous. It's a small upgrade. It's like very small. Okay. It's it it's the upgrade is so tiny as to be microscopic, but you know, baby steps. Okay. If you were like a baby centipede, this would be a baby step for us. You know what? I'm good with that. I just I just thought I thought doofus and dimwit were very close, very similar in nature. DeFi is a hot topic, not to be confused with the teenage apparel store of the same name, which I don't know if it's still hot or not, honestly. Um, not sure if that's where they go to buy their. I'm pretty sure nobody goes anywhere. No, it's they should right now. It's called not topic right now. It's only called Target and Walmart. Those are the only two places that America allows to be open. Well, you can't get COVID there. Right. It's a COVID free zone. That's right. I remember the. Yeah. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Joel Common, Travis Wright with you to discuss all things blockchain and cryptocurrency. And today we're going down the DeFi rabbit hole. It is a hot topic. And we'll get to that in a moment, but only after Mr. Travis Wright uh, inspires you by telling you how we can give you $50 in Bitcoin. That is true. You would like $50 in bitcoin so you need to go to eToro right now it's so easy you go to badco.in forward slash eToro you go through all the things and you then put fifty dollars in your account and then we send you fifty dollars of bitcoin to eToro <laughs> that was great <laughs> blockchain crypto and musical interludes that was good <laughs> there you go, go forward slash eToro if travis didn't give you enough reason i don't know what else to tell you do it and now let's go to our feature interview with mr stephen becker 2020 has been a year of instability you know what's next with the murder hornets apparently came and went without much ado but you know are the aliens coming all the more reason that we need stability and in the crypto world stable coins play a big role with that one of the larger cryptos out there that is making a dent in the space you might recognize as the die coin d-a-i and that is a product of maker dow and we have with us Stephen Becker, the president and COO of the Maker Foundation. We're going to talk about 
stability and instability and cashless societies and stable coins and all of that. Stephen, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you very much. Yes, instability in this um, uh, day and age and what's going on right now, that's kind of sorely needed, isn't it? Are you feeling stable at the moment? Uh, I have my days. What can I tell you? But uh, at the moment, within, at least within the space, uh, things are happening. And you know, I'm really open to discuss it, especially in the DeFi world right now. Yeah, things are happening. Why don't you go ahead and give us just a little Reader's Digest version of your bio so we get a feel uh, for who you are? Okay, no worries. So I'm a, a recuperating uh, sort of ex-financial professional, being in the banking, investment banking and finance space for the longest time. Then I, I find myself you know, from my past lives being in the uh, derivatives world, uh, private equity, VC, corporate finance, you name it. I find myself coming into crypto, into the crypto space specifically from a, a very strange uh, message that I, I received around about 2017, which said, uh, would you like to work for this organization that is looking into creating stablecoin? Crypto is the rage, stablecoins are the way forward. What do you think? And I thought, well, that's, that's, that's lovely advertising. So I deleted the message and I carried on with my life. Um, a little bit later, I got this message again. And I looked at it closely and they started talking about, you know, stable coins that were decentralized and stable coins that didn't require a centralist sort of mechanism in order to operate and really got me thinking, like, how do you actually do this? This is fascinating. Long story short, it was uh, uh, the Maker Foundation, it was DAI, and it was extremely intriguing. And so consequently, I did a lot of study into it and I thought, well, with my background, in in finance let me see if i can apply my thinking to this and in doing that i came out on the other side and i thought wow this is a really complete system uh the guys that created this have really got it together so this is really interesting and and consequently i joined up and uh initially started up as sort of head of risk looking at the the online permutations but got a quick grip on the whole thing and consequently found myself in this position right now so you got a quick grip on it. So maybe let our audience get a quick grip on it. So how do you, what's the uh, the sort of elevator for MakerDAO? What is it? Why is it important? And, and why is it something that's needed? So the first thing you got to do is think about what MakerDAO is. So MakerDAO is this open source decentralized protocol, but more importantly, it's also a community. And what this, this project does, what MakerDAO does is it provides the underlying tools and along with it, the stablecoin called DAI to help grow this on-chain economy. And that is why it's so important. It is the, the ability to grow an on-chain economy that actually dovetails nicely with the traditional one to show the real usefulness and impact of the decentralized space. So there's more than one token, though, that's associated with MakerDAO. The DAI is the stablecoin, but as I'm looking on CoinGecko, timestamp July 30th, 2020, Maker is currently number 29 in market cap. What is the MKR token? Right. So when you have a look at the protocol, now that we can dig, dig a little bit deeper into it, uh, it's, a, it's a governance token. And considering what's happening in the DeFi space, governance tokens seem to be uh, you know, quite the rage, but I can honestly say that uh, the Maker token is one of the, the first that got there some uh, two and a half, three years ago. 
but consequently what it is is the appreciation for decentralized governance and the idea behind creating a complete system so that participants um, in the system can express ideally what they want from this protocol and they do that through uh, a voting mechanism using NKR as the, the token. So you've got the utility in the token and you've also got the ability to express the, the value that you wish to see in the protocol. So that's what's you know, really important about the NKR token. So there's a lot of mechanisms here at work. There's a lot of different things that are going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, MakerDAO had received, actually received an award, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, from the World Economic Forum as being a pioneer in, in this space. Correct. So maybe maybe dive in. I know I know DeFi is all the rage, but I don't know that we've had a whole lot of people on the show talking about DeFi. But you guys have been have have received lots of of uh, great press, and you've also had some challenges along the way because you're 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 a pioneer, and pioneers it's not normally a always just a quick smooth path. There's learnings along the way. Indeed. So maybe explain how. You know, MakerDAO is able to utilize your crypto and do this DeFi thing to maybe help people who don't understand what that's all about. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So the one thing we also need to do is there's a lot of definitions that are generally required. And um, the one that folks have a trouble with, that is DeFi itself. So DeFi is decentralized finance. And what is it? Um, you generally find the explanation comes with paragraphs and paragraphs of, of text, but mine is kind of short and sweet. The decentralized finance space is a new monetary and financial system built on public permissionless blockchains. If you can sort of get that into, into uh, um, uh, sort of an understanding for yourself so you can use that as a springboard, the rest becomes a lot easier to, to understand. So DeFi, a new monetary and financial system built on a public permissionless blockchain. So where does MakerDAO come into this? Well. As I said, Maker, MakerDAO is this project that provides these primitives, these, uh, um, these financial primitives, these functions, if you will, along with the DAI stablecoin to help build this uh, new on-chain economy. And, what, and why MakerDAO is so important is because it is really bringing that um, blockchain characteristic of inclusiveness, accessibility, and transparency to the finance space. To be able to think about financing your house, your car, to start thinking about how small, medium enterprises can rethink this whole idea about debt factoring and supply chain finance, which is just effectively taking out uh, um, you know, loans against their assets to help finance their positions. It takes away, well, what blockchain does is, you know, it disintermediates the, the third party in uh, a lot of the transactions and financial activities that we're in and really makes it a lot more accessible to to folks around the world. And there's a bit of a caveat here because when you think about it from a developed world point of view, the the sort of utility from this entire space, it's evident, but it's no not it's not very it's not market, it's not material. We are getting to the point where it's going to be material and this is all about I'm not talking about real-world assets and bringing them onto the, the blockchain space and specifically DeFi. But more importantly is when you look at developing countries and you think about that inclusiveness, that accessibility, that turns a corner into a sort of dramatic conclusion where folks can sustain and maintain their living standard while 
effectively the economy around them is falling apart. So MakerDAO brings this capability um, into the DeFi space, um, as well as all the other participants in the space, leverage off of it to, to offer their, their goods as well. So we're eliminating the middleman. Uh, yes and no. We actually are eliminating them where they're not needed and improving upon them where they are needed. Or, or wanted, right? Or I wanted. Mean, That's we, a good one, yes. We deal with a lot of the, the you know intermediaries because we have to. We don't have a choice. And now Correct. DeFi is giving us a choice. You know, I, I've been reading for decades now how one day we would move towards a cashless society. And um, that's scary to some people. Uh, you know, change is, is difficult. Not having change in this case could be very challenging. And with coronavirus doing what it's done and uh, compounding that with the fact that fiat actually is dirty, we're definitely moving towards a cashless society. Should people be afraid of this or uh, is, is this going to be a positive move for society? I think the short answer is this is a positive move for society. And uh, a couple of historical references on this point, around about 1927, the first mutual funds we put together and the, the media at that time, the newspapers came out saying this is a scammy construct which has absolutely no utility to people whatsoever. Now have a look at everyone's 401ks. Okay, cool. Give them five more years and they'll come across to the crypto world. But right now, it's mostly mutual funds. And that's really where we are at the, at the, the moment uh, with uh, you know, looking at money and figuring out what this means and turning it into something digital and cashless. It's the same principle. What does this mean when um, I can transfer, you know, 100 bucks from my PayPal account to yours? Uh, when PayPal came out, everybody thought, how does this work? Why do I only need my, my email address? I, this, is, this is freaking me out. Um, when you use your banking app and you transfer money, it just seems like, oh, I did it very easily and off it went. That concept is now becoming really imbued into society. So the next step of actually removing that note and that coin in your pocket um, I think it will be a natural step, but I do think that there is a spectrum of folks that will be a little bit harder for them than others. So to do it collectively is or uniformly would be ideal, but that never happens that way. So you're going to have your, your adopters and you're going to have your naysayers. We're going to bring them all together and it will be uh, a net benefit. So with, with MakerDAO, you, you're able to, users are able to lock Ethereum right into the maker protocol to generate loans of the, the dollar pegged uh, DAI stablecoin. Now, is it, is it only Ethereum that you can, you can use to generate loans or do you can use other cryptos or is it specific only to that one uh, protocol? So at the moment, there are several collateral types. That's what they're called. So Ether is one of them. Uh, then you've got basic attention token, you've got USDC, you've got wrapped Bitcoin, Kyber Network, there's there's another two, three more that's that's on there. Mm -hmm. So the, the accessibility is there. The point here is the underlying mechanism needs as many collateral types as possible. Uh, if you think about it just from a, a sort of a basic finance standpoint, a diversified pool of assets is a robust uh, um, pool of assets. And that same principle is being applied to, to make it up. So the, the whole point behind DAI, which is actually the full name of it is multi-collateral DAI. And mm. the, the description multi-collateral refers to the fact that you can use 
really any collateral type that maker governance deems fit for the the protocol um and the one the other thing i just wanted to to take a step back on and again it seems like semantics but at the end of the day it's really important to understand this because it gives way to the opportunities that are available and that is if you take your ether and you transfer it into a vault and what you do is on generate on sorry transferring into a vault you generate die now note i didn't use the word loan i said you generate die so what am i talking about if you think about how banks uh, um, commercial banks help create money supply what they do is they either give out loans um, or they um, they make investments but what they actually do and what you don't see as a user the first step they do is they generate credit they actually manifest credit from their balance sheet and then once that credit is generated then they wrap it into a loan or they wrap it into an investment so what makerdao is doing is just that first step it generates credit so then you can think about for instance a guy sitting in new york he wants to be a loan originator what he does he goes and gets registered as a loan originator he gets all his compliance in place and then he uses makerdao as the infrastructure to help him with his business the same with uh, uh creating money market accounts the same with uh creating really any kind of accounts that we used to in in the general financial space but it is really about the credit generation that very first step that gives way to all this opportunity that allows the rest of the defi system to to create really interesting uh products and services on the back of it so you generate the die now i yes. so say i put 10 ethereum in a loan in mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the vault it's worth 300 plus dollars right now so now yes. i have 3000 plus dollars worth of die generated i can then spend that die all over but if i want to get my ethereum back i got to give mm-hmm. you back that exact amount of die you gave me plus interest okay so um the way it works is that you stick your ethereum in that's correct and it's got to be over collateralized so that's the 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 big thing here so for every 150 worth of ether uh you get 100 worth of die made available to you to generate okay okay and then you take that um, let's say you just want to take that 50 because you want to go buy some lunch for yourself you take the 50 and you go use it to to buy lunch um you have a lot of management versatility here. what you can do is go to your vault and go well listen i only used 50 can i take some of my ether back yes you can but the amount that is looking after that 50 die that you're using stays there but here's the really really cool part that ether is yours that vault which you put that ether in it's yours it belongs to you the die that you generate from it that's yours you've just became your own bank wow so here's another way i i like to sort of this analogy i kind of uh, use every now and again is imagine you take um you got like $15,000 worth of gold and you go to your study your bedroom you open your your cupboard door and you got this really special safe that's in the in the in the cupboard you open it up you stick your gold in and you close it why is it special it's smart what it does as soon as you close that that um, safe door it recognizes how much gold you have in there and then consequently generates dollars uh, of cash for you and you say well i'm going to use 5000 of it i want to go on a vacation and when you're done you come back you give that that safe that vault that's in your cupboard back the 5000 plus the stability fee which i'll go into and it opens up the vault again and you can take your gold out the whole thing belongs to you that is the absolute point of decentralized uh, 
uh, uh, finance that focuses on autonomy and that autonomy is yours. Are you dreaming about the first bank of Travis over there? It's the first bank of it's Travis Stan International. Right. <laughs> it's Travis's credit union. You you establish yeah. a credit yourself. What a, what a really interesting concept. Okay, so you mentioned there was another component to it. Yes, the stability fee. So what you're doing is um, <clears throat> when you generate DAI, what you're actually doing is you're saying, I would like to get a stable form of uh, cryptocurrencies that I can use to go buy myself a cup of coffee, to go and get myself some lunch, uh, whatever the case may be. You don't want to go and use Bitcoin to do it because, yes, it'll cost you, you know, $10 at the time, but you know, $10 worth of Bitcoin now will be worth $12 in five minutes' time or even possibly worse, it'll be 70 cents in uh, 10 minutes' time. You don't know. So that volatility underlying uh, Bitcoin, that volatility underlying your typical crypto assets doesn't make... Uh, um, doesn't make that asset a very good store of value. One of the main functions of money is to be a good store of value. A store of value that is also stable, uh, critically important. So you generate this die, but what are you actually doing? You're going to this protocol, and what this protocol is offering to you is a service of creating stability. And the way that it does it is in the same way you understand how most things are over collateralized. You put in a lot more, you take in, um, you know, relatively less so that it is protected. So the, 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 the underlying volatility is kind of translated into this stable asset. And then you can go and use a stable asset. Now, it's called a stability fee. And a lot of people have said to me, okay, that's really nice, but actually, really, is it just only interest? The answer is no. It actually is a stability fee. Why? You take that 50 die out and you go spend it on lunch with your friend. When do you have to give it back? You don't. It's, it's credit generated. It's not a loan. There's no payments. There's no recourse. There's nothing. The only thing that you've got to worry about because this whole thing belongs to you is if the asset that you put into your vault starts dropping in price, the one thing that does happen, you've got to keep in mind, is that the system wants to look after itself. And if that value in that vault drops too low, the system will say, right, we need to open this up and allow people to um, bid on this, to auction on this. And once they have auction on this collateral, they will return the value back to the system and then give you back the, the net amount that wasn't needed to, to recover the amount. The whole concept here is there isn't a payback period. There isn't a, a call structure. There isn't a, a recourse. It's just your thing. It's how you manage it. It's your risk, your management, your value. If you, you know, get your head around that, then you can see how autonomy manifests in the DeFi space. That is that is fascinating. Now, I just saw on the news, on reading through crypto news, that mm -hmm. you guys had just passed a billion dollars in total value lock just like a couple of days ago. So you guys now have a collateralized in these private vaults that are owned by the users mm -hmm. there is upwards of a billion dollars worth of crypto collateral in those vaults now amazing isn't it i mean it was a couple of months ago uh you know the the DeFi space were all patting each other on the back because we passed the, the billion dollar mark just for the crypto space mm -hmm. now make it out um you know 
maker governance is now looking at this and sort of patting themselves on the back and saying, you know, congratulations, this is a, it's really, it's a massive mark. It really is. Um, there is further analysis that needs to be done. It's called TVL, total value locked. It surpassed a billion. But, you know, one needs to keep in mind the very practical aspect here. Um, I think it's wonderful. I think it's a victory. I think it's a, it's a great step forward. Uh, but we need to have a look at the entire DeFi space and keep in mind that it has to be created in service of the traditional economy. Uh, you know, Bitcoin was created with a whole bunch of characteristics that were really wonderful, you know, basically permissionless, trustless, uh, accessible to, to everyone. But it was trying to better the traditional system in service of the traditional economy. The same thing should be done with the DeFi space. So even though it's, it's great, I think that um, the DeFi space is absolutely exploding with possibility. Fundamentally, it's still got to focus on, on ensuring that it is servicing the right people in the world that need um, this capability. Yeah, along those lines, I'm wondering, you know, because this is still relatively new, mm-hmm. what are the risks? Like, what's a, there are some stable coins out there that did not remain stable, right? Yes. So uh, what's a worst case scenario look like and what would it take for that to trigger? Well, there are a couple of real edge cases here that um, we got to consider. But the most, I think the most important edge case is keeping in mind that this whole thing is built on, on top of the Ethereum protocol. And what we have to then you know, consider, I think it's an extremely low probability, but what happens to the Ethereum protocol? If something untoward happens there, the knock-on effect goes to Maker and the rest of the DeFi space. So that is the ultimate risk. Whither goest Vitalik? Pretty much. And considering today is the fifth anniversary of Ethereum, um, I'm... Oh, is that pretty, right? Yep. 30th of July, uh, 2015. That? Happy happy anniversary, Ethereum. Yeah, exactly. You know, happy birthday, guys. We're yeah. still not giving away free Ethereum, by the way, if anybody tweets us, just for the record. I'm still kicking myself in the ass for not participating in the... Uh, what was it? You could get 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 some Ethereum for five cents or something in the, in the ICO. Wow. <laughs> Hey, I, I want to ask you about this. So I realized that in MakerDAO, the die can be spent anywhere in the UK that accepts Visa. So it, are you guys, are you then loading the die onto some debit card solution? Because I know if I go to my grocery store, they're not, they're probably not going to accept die. They're going to tell me to die. I mean, <laughs> get some, bring, bring some money in. So how, how, how does that actually work? Uh, well, there's actually a number of ways that it works. Uh, the first thing, you know, this really comes down to the big question of where is that intersection between the DeFi space and the traditional world, right? And how are we basically getting to a point where this is becoming practical? You got Visa, you got Mastercard. Uh, they've been considering quite a few things, and now because you got your Crypto.com card, I mean, is it so? Is there, what yeah. Part, yeah, what partnerships are the that's all available on? Yeah, that's exactly. They got the these new debit and uh, well, actually not credit cards. They debit cards. They're trying to use the the current infrastructure that Visa and Mastercard have in place. Except that it is from a user experience point of view, it's not quite there. But hey, it's a really big step in the right direction. So you know, you have the ability to go and uh, if you can spend your your Bitcoin, it generally is a QR code interface where the point of sale happens, and you, you know you 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 can spend it quite freely. Here, the same thing applies, except there's generally an extra step 
that um, is required where you go and swipe your, co- your card and you know, nominate whatever cryptocurrency you want to use, uh, be it DAI, be it anything else, and it goes through an intermediary. So that kind of gives you, uh, um, you know, a first look into what happens when you get a, the DeFi space intersecting with the real world. Again, you still need that intermediary. You still need, uh, and that intermediary now is no longer a, a central party. That intermediary is now, you know, a big exchange. So you still have the the components in uh, in place where uh, you know certain folks, certain uh, liquidity pools, certain venues need to be there in order to uh, transfer or rather um, off ramp your crypto into fiat. Because even though the the merchants are accepting it, ultimately they still have to pay their taxes in pounds. They still have to pay their taxes in dollars. So it's great accepting DAI, it's wonderful accepting Bitcoin, but ultimately it all gets off-ramped into dollars and pounds anyway. So Gandhi is uh, is noted for having said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. You're going up, you know, by, by doing DeFi, mm-hmm. these intermediaries, the big financial institutions, you know, first they ignored, right? Mm-hmm. And then they said, Pfft. Are, are we at the they fight you phase yet? Um, I would say almost like yes and no at the same time. And I know I'm being sort of uh, ambiguous there. They are kind of tr- coming out looking like they, they don't like this space, but every one of them are creating their own blockchain. Yeah, but so uh, this is the second part of the question yeah. then. Can they compete because it's still centralized finance where there's banks concerned or is there a day where the banks really will lose and we'll all be our own banks? Well, here's the, I have been to Washington often and I've had the pleasure of being able to present uh, to a lot of task forces there, uh, you know, for various regulatory bodies. And it's really interesting because there is this binary concept. It's like, Either it's traditional or it's decentralized. And the one thing I keep uh, sort of harping on is the fact that decentralized finance is all about dovetailing with the traditional economy. It's about broadening that scope of choice for the individual. So if you want to outsource your financing to uh, a bank, you should be able to. But if you want to take on that uh, banking capability yourself, now you have the choice. The point isn't to try and replace. There is always going to be something of a spectrum where on the one side you've got you know, pure central control, on the other side you've got pure uh, uh, decentralization. But really what happens in, the, in, uh, uh, in practice, it's always something in the middle. So what we've done is we've seen this DeFi space just create that expansion of the spectrum and we wait and see how people are going to land in the middle. And right now, even the big banks are pushing folks closer to the middle. They're saying we need a federated blockchain to, comp- to, to connect um, the banks together. Then they're going to realize that, hang on a second, and this is the important part, decentralizing is really the goal. It's the focus. Because I was thinking the other day that uh, I think Citibank has around about 200 million, 300 million plus accounts that they service around the world. If they include this underlying architecture of blockchain, but more the public permissionless blockchain, they get access to the 1.7 billion unbanked. 
So they can turn their 200, 300 million accounts to possibly 800, a billion. Sure that the, the margins might be squeezed per account, but the sheer volume that comes in, you know, will counteract that. So this isn't just a, a world uh, available to folks who believe strictly in decentralizing. It actually is a world that is available to everyone. It just allows that, that new sense of choice that we've never had before. Mm. So I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I, and I know that some of our listeners are probably coming up with this question too, so I like to think how they're maybe thinking. And so say, for example, you know, Ethereum went up 40% this month, right? I mean, so it's gone up. And so say I, let's just say I borrowed some die or I put, I put in my Ethereum and it was a hundred dollars. The Ethereum was worth a hundred dollars and I put in one Ethereum Mm -hmm. and now I got out $50. So that means I would, I would need to pay back half of that, half of an Ethereum or something. But now Ethereum is worth a thousand dollars, but I borrowed $50. What percentage of my Ethereum is still in my wallet? Do I still have that whole one Ethereum because the price went up and I got, and now I still got to put back $50 back in, which is now one twentieth of an Ethereum instead of half an Ethereum. No, no, no. It all comes down to the nominal value. DAI is, is, is um, the, the terminology soft pegged against the US dollar. So if you put in, let's just say one Ethereum, which is yep. now 300 bucks, right? Yep. And what you do is you draw out, now consider it has to be 150% collateralized. In other words, for every 150 bucks, you have to, you've got the ability to draw 100. So if you drew 100, if you drew generated 100 DAI, right? That means you needed $150 of Ethereum backing that. Mm-hmm. So even if Ethereum went through the roof and tomorrow it was 600 bucks, you still only need 150 bucks of Ethereum. So what happens is the, the proportion of that one Ethereum comes all the way down mm. back in the die. So that means that uh, today 50% or 0.5 of that Ethereum needs to stay there. Tomorrow, only 0.25 of Ethereum needs to stay there. Mm. So it's almost can, like don't sell your crypto. Yeah. If, if you think if you're going to hodl it for the long run, you think Bitcoin's going to hit, you know, 20, 50, 30, you know, 300,000 or whatever down the road, yep. then don't sell it. Instead, use DeFi. Think about this. There's a lot of guys that, um, you know, I wouldn't rub it in, but they did pick up the, you know, the, the Ethereum, the Ether for three cents. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, and that is a substantial amount of wealth that these folks have got. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there and they're going, all right, now I'd like to go and you know, buy a car. And I've never had a car before. Let me go buy one. What do they do? Do they go sell their, their ETH? They don't want to do that. What's the next best, best option? You put it into a vault. You draw die out against it. You off-ramp into dollars. You go buy yourself a car. And guess what? How much is this going to how much is this going to set you back? Well, you have a look at the stability fee. That fee is basically what you have to pay back um, in the future. So as you, you know, earn wages, as you make your salary, you slowly pay back what you want. There's no there's no like flexible payment plan because there is no payment plan. This is all you. Mm-hmm. So Unless you the price tanks. And then that it triggers that mechanism in the back to say, ah, now we're over. We're over, uh, we're under water on this. And so now we got to get that money back. So if the price does tank, then it creates problems or no? Nope. Nope. This is exactly why it's all about credit generation. Let's say you put $150 worth of Ether into a vault. You drew 
100 die. In other words, you drew the maximum. And the next moment, it goes down to 100. You are absolutely fine. You've got 100 die in your hand, and you've gone and spent it. You put it in your pocket. Do you really want to go and get your, your ETH that's now worth you know, 100 bucks? Yes, you'd like it back. But the thing is, you've got $100 in your hand of value anyway. Now, what happens is that the system has to look after itself. The system now takes over and opens that vault and tries to auction off that collateral to get DAI back into the system to balance everything out. Mm-hmm. Does that mean anybody comes for you? Does it mean anybody knocks on your door and says, hey, you've got to pay it back? No. That's why there's a difference between generating credits and a loan. You become your own collection agency, Travis. Knock on your own yeah. door. Hey, me. What? Yeah. Hey, me. I'm going to break my arm. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's me, Tony. I'm going to bust up. me up. Right, so how does somebody practically get started with this? I mean, so you got some people now that are going, I want to lock up some of my Ethereum yeah. and uh, become my own bank. What do they do? Makeitout.com. Go straight there. Um, there's Makeitout is also on Twitter. You can follow that. We have uh, public, well, the, the, there is public rocket chat channels. Um, we've got a, 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 when I say we, governance has got a forum that you can go into. So you can go and uh, get your feet wet or you can dive right into the nitty gritty. I mean, I'm, I'm here on the site. I'm at makerdow.com. Use die. Is that how you get started? You click that button, says use die. So... Yes, I think. Or Oasis. Is. I see Oasis, trade, borrow, or save with DAI. That's it. There we go. So if you go to use DAI, sorry. I... So Oasis.app is yep. the actual application to yeah, you, uh, you, lock up your tokens. Correct. So you start at makeitout.com, and it gives you the full rundown of the system, the white paper, FAQs. There's so much information there. You can get an overview or you can dive right You can go right into the, the depths of proposals and understanding what they mean. Um, but if you go into use die, then you've got trade, borrow, and save. And uh, you click on any of those those links and it'll take you right through. And you can, um, you know, go lock in your ETH, generate some die, and do your best. Can I lock in my ETH and then, like, maybe I don't want to generate die right now, but I want to generate die really quickly whenever I need to. And yep. so then you can just have your ETH in there and then just go and generate the die when you need it. Yep, absolutely. I mean, the, the functions that I was talking about is really the ability to um, collateralize. Um, you must remember that now you've become your own custodian. This vault's yours. Right. So you can go stick your ETH in there and kind of use it as a, as a water. We have our own private keys, except the market needs to correct itself if something goes down and the value of it. So there's, you guys have the keys too. No, the no, keys are custodial. No, it's non-custodial. Key is yours. There's no custodian. There's no custodianship whatsoever with respect to this. That's why it's decentralized. I, I like is- to get my hands on this stuff, and I'm walking through it right here, and I yep. see that you know you can earn savings on your die by locking mm-hmm. it in. I click deploy proxy, and then it's wanting to charge me um, 0.05 ETH. Is that like a setup fee? Uh, no, that is just the the gas you got to pay. That's the one thing we can talk about all day. and um, I don't want to talk about it all day, but I would like a quick comment. Yeah. Okay, the gas prices are high. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And, you know, in the beginning, this whole thing would have cost you like a buck fifty to do. Now it might cost you like 20 bucks. And that's really where, you know, we're you know, talking about you know, ETH 2.0, sharding, uh, layer 2 solutions, and so on and so forth. That really comes to the fore, especially in terms of, 
um, talking about scalability, not just of Maker, but the entire DeFi space, it really comes into, into question. And um, again, the fact that we're at this point where gas is going through the roof shows you that ETH is a success, shows you that those blocks are full, things are happening, and um, you know, ETH is taking it forward. Yeah, I mean, we say it's a success, but at the same time, it's shooting itself in the foot. I mean, it's a yeah. love hate. The reasons why NFTs, those, those non-fungible tokens, are leaving Ethereum and going to other blockchains is because yeah. the fees are so less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buy, like, like Joel tried to buy a $1 NFT the other day, and then it cost him $5 to send it to his wallet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, in essence, that's the, the challenge here is that you've got this, you know, you've got the, the scalability, security, and decentralization. You've got the trilemma. That's always going to be on everyone's mind when they're creating blockchains. And then, you know, you can move from one blockchain to another because it's cheaper, but you are always giving up on something. You move off Ethereum, you go to, say, blockchain X, and, you know, it's free, but you find out, hang on a second, the security is not there because it's a, a different uh, security setup. Oh, yeah, blockchain X sucks. I hate that. Guy. Oh, yeah, those guys, you've got to be oh, careful. Good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Everything, or at least a few things you wanted to know about DeFi, but were afraid to ask. We are not afraid. We will ask the questions. That's right. We call ourselves account. the DeFi DoFi because we don't know shit about this. <laughs> we're even DoFi. <laughs> we're the DoFi. Yeah. Uh, hey, Stephen, thanks for uh, for coming on and, and edumacating us a little bit. I'm going to look into this some more. I got a little bit of ether that's sitting there and maybe go ahead and put it to work for me. Absolutely. I mean, give it a go. It's rabbit hole. I do warn you. Once you go down, it's and I'm going to come and save you because it's all good. Yeah, I'm I can tell where I'm, I'm going to roll down the rabbit hole too. My only trick that I need to figure out is as a U.S. citizen, what card or what spending mechanism can I put that die on so I can use it here in America? I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think there's one that just came out. I will find it and I'll uh, email it to you. I'm sorry, I don't have that information right now. That'll work. All right, you guys, check it out. Maker Dow dot com and or yeah dot com and then oasis dot app yeah and maker i noticed the mkr token is like almost 600 bucks well there's only a million of them it's only a million of them yeah yeah, there, yeah. Million. i mean that's that that comes down to that whole you know fixed lots uh sort of tokenomics and how it's used for governance so the, again that's also another uh, a pretty cool discussion happy to have it anytime you guys want cool thanks steven Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Mr. Travis Wright, there's a lot of discussion about the pros and cons of DeFi. There are some that are saying that it is a bubble, which, of course, I don't know how you don't say that when you see, you know, the prices of uh, coins like Yearn just skyrocket, right? How do, What goes up must come down. Yeah, they don't just keep cruising on up but actually this week mr Jocom, there have been in the last seven days Chainlink is down 30 percent uh ave which is the lend token that's down 37 percent uh the synthetics network token snx that's down 35 percent those are all top six uh coins also rounding out the top 10 uh, is uh, o- zero x which is down 31 percent and then also ren which is another uh these are all uh, DeFi companies down 36%, Kyber Network down 26%, Numiere down 28%, Band Pro- Protocol down 31%, Terra down 41%, and Balancer down 36%. That's the top 20, but number 21 is 
DeFi money, DFI.money, and that's up 168%. So I don't know, crazy stuff. To, you know, crypto is risky to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to invest in the crypto space and we are not financial advisors, which is why we say do your own due diligence and never invest what you can't afford to lose because it is extremely volatile, very risky. And as I look at DeFi, I'm not even touching that. Now, I could look back and go, oh, my gosh, this was just beginning. And, you know, there could have been a ton. But I think what we're going to see is a lot more coins that aren't necessary haven't been focused on DeFi, getting into DeFi to get on the bandwagon yeah i could see that i mean you know would you know i i think there's going to be you know and, and again we don't know but i think that probably there'll be what three to five really big winners in the space looks like Chainlink's taken off obviously they're huge they're in the top 10 uh, the next one you know DeFi coin is uma which is number two which is has a market cap of 650 million Chainlink has a market cap of Four billion, but you know, a couple of days ago it had a market cap of almost seven billion. Right, so, yeah. that's not volatile at all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We're going to keep our eye on it, and I'm sure we will be speaking with more people in the DeFi space going forward. Who would you like to have us interview on this show, whether they're in DeFi or some other um, part of blockchain or crypto? Write us badcryptopodcast at gmail.com. And uh, let us know who you think we should have on the show. Go ahead, shill. Feel free to shill because via email we accept mm -hmm. all shilling. But give us a good reason. Don't yeah. just say, hey, you should have Joe Blow from What's It's Coin on because they're awesome. Oh, What's that, It's that Coin? That's, dude, I've been watching that. I got my eye on What's It's Coin. That won't get our attention. That will yeah. instantly go to the delete That's button. That's true. And if you're from Chainlink, we're not going to have you on either because you didn't hire me as the uh, head of communications. And so we're not having you on the show. Well, maybe maybe on that show you take the day off and I'll have Aaron back. People really liked having Aaron on the show. I mean, oh, yeah. we missed you. I think it was the second time mm -hmm. since we've started the show that you were absent. Um but they liked having Aaron on. So, you know, write us also at badcryptopodcast and gmail.com and let us know should uh, Aaron replace Travis on the show. We are forever, folks, the crypto clowns, the blockchain blockheads, and now the DeFi dimwits. Wishing you all a, a wonderful extended Labor Day weekend. By the way, did you even know it was a holiday weekend, Travis? I'm so out of touch with holidays because I don't have a J-O-B that I was like, oh, some people are having a three-day weekend. Sounds like every day of every weekend for me. Right. Now, I don't know. A lot of times when we're so with our heads down, it's like sometimes there's like no day off for a couple of weeks, few weeks in a row sometimes. We're, we got something going on almost every day. Here we are. We're recording on a Saturday right now to be released on Sunday. The show goes out on Sunday. Sometimes we do interviews on Sunday if they're overseas. I mean, we normally are doing something pretty much every day. So someday – it was nice. I had a few couple days. I think I had about three days in Albania where I did nothing. And one of those days was the most stressful day ever. Horrible. You know, Mr. Travis Wright, we've got a sponsor coming up on the show here shortly that we're going to be interviewing from GamerHash. And I've got a miner running on my PC right now. And um, in the past couple days, it's mined $2 in Bitcoin since i started it and it's actually running right this minute while we're recording most of the time when you're mining bitcoin yeah. um it slows down your machine to where you can't do anything else with it and this thing is mining we're and you're running it on well you don't have a pc to run it on right 
I I have a a laptop PC. I probably could run it on that. Yeah. Well, it's it's made for gaming machines. Can't wait to share more about this with you guys. So uh, stay tuned for that interview coming soon. And of course, we'll catch you on Thursday for our bad news episode. Until then, stay a doofus. Maybe someday we can be the DeFi duo. That would be that's like Batman. Or oh man, to upgrade to that. Mm-hmm. I'm bad. No, because I'm Batman. Mm-hmm. And I'm Robin. <laughs> We're the and DeFi you. duo. And you're Catwoman. Stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. DeFi.